0: Hello Bitcoiners, my name is Ansel Linder and this is Bitcoin and Markets. On this show, we honestly explore Bitcoin to the best of our ability. We take a look at stats, metrics, the tech, and the economics behind it all. My goal is to stay ahead of the curve and to take you along with me. Thanks for joining me. Let's go. What is up, Bitcoiners? Welcome back to the show. What a wild week. We pumped 20% in a day for Bitcoin. Almost 30% in the entire week. Of course, then we hit a roadblock and we fell about 25% within a matter of an hour or two. So there's been lots of volatility. Of course, the price is dominating the news cycle. So we'll talk about the price in depth. But the other kind of only news really out there is... In my mind, the geopolitical news, the macro situation, the trade wars, the Iran confrontation over there in the Persian Gulf, waiting for the Fed if they're going to cut rates. You know, there's lots of talk there. The inverted yield curves that we see all around the total and utter lunacy of $13 trillion in negative yielding sovereign bonds. So I think that is the other Side of the coin here, Bitcoin pumping and the global economic situation deteriorating. But before we jump into the main part of the show, if you guys want to support this content, you can do so at bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. There's lots of free ways like rating us on iTunes. That would be great. That would help other people find the show. Support us over there on YouTube. We, I, you know, I upload every episode to YouTube. So go over there, check it out, give us a comment there, and that will help. The statistics over on YouTube. But if you want to become a member, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. For $5 a month, you get uh, extra content. You become a member of the show. And on Discord, you're a member. So you get access to the member only chat. I've been dropping a few more, like kind of broader insider news, uh, what I'm looking at in the broader picture here. And um, it can be valuable. During this price pump, right before the big pullback. Several of us were on the chat and we were talking about the price, what we think going forward. You know, what if this went to all time highs before we had a correction? Um, So yeah, there's some good interaction going on there over on Discord. So join there. All right, let's get into the price. Right now we're sitting at $11,845 on Bitstamp. Uh, If you're new to the show, one reason why I use Bitstamp is because it's pretty much the oldest exchange out there. It's Spot. I think they've recently added margin. I'm not sure, but you know, they're lower volume, but they are very, very solid Spot exchange. So that's why I like to use them but that's not here nor there. So let's uh let's take a look at this price. If you look at I'm looking right now at the weekly chart. Of course, if you get the fundamentals report every week that's our newsletter, so you can sign up for that on the website. But you'll see my charts. I'm looking at the one week chart right now. And it's very clear we had this three segment or three uh step impulsive wave. And if you look back on Bitcoin over the years, I mean, I've been Uh, involved with Bitcoin for many years now, uh, several different cycles. And uh, it always seems to go in these, this three-step impulsive move. Now, this is not Elliott Wave. I'm not a I'm not an Elliott way person. I think that's mainly hindsight. There's so many different silly rules like ABC, one, two, three, four, five, like all these different things. And I, I, I think that you match your bias with that. And I can see how you can get a read on the market because anytime that you're examining past price movements, uh, rigorously, it helps you to look into the future, right? The, the worst thing that you can do is, uh, use like Elliott wave and uh, just look at the price for two minutes a day, right? If, if you're in into the charts for long periods of time, uh, even if you're doing something that's not correct, like Elliott wave, in my opinion, then you're still going to get some insight into the price movements. But okay, back to the chart. So that is a one, two, three price movement. So we saw a pump from Uh, you know, breaking out of 4,200, then breaking out of around 6,000 and now, uh, breaking out all the way up to 30, 13,800. We did hit the 618 fib retracement level for the entire bear market. So starting at the $20,000 mark all the way down to the bottom back in at the end of last year, we hit the, the 618 retracement that is i mean it, it's just a common commonly occurring level that you know it's like this the golden ratio if you guys aren't into trading and stuff then these fibonacci levels are just like these kind of uh golden ratio numbers where you find in nature all over the place this golden ratio in in snail shells or in uh, flowers or in snowflakes or whatever then this is also kind of the same uh it just is a commonly occurring Level And when we hit that, we went slightly above it, but then we had the big pullback. Overall, I think the market is very healthy. There is a lot of underlying demand under this. Of course, we have Fidelity that people have heard about that. They're opening up custody to their customers. We have lots of news out of Japan and South Korea and even China with demand building over there. We have things like Ledger X getting approval for physical uh, Bitcoin futures or the physically settled Bitcoin futures. So you actually settle in Bitcoin instead of like CME that settles in US dollars. So there's a lot of things happening uh, under the surface. Demand is building. It's not at all like this is a fake pump. Okay. This is a real pump, but real pumps get (laughs) out of control a little bit. And it hit this, uh, huge parabolic. I mean, 20% in a day. Of course, we're going to consolidate after that. So where are we going? Well, I've, if (laughs) you've been listening to this podcast, I've been talking about consolidation for a long time just because it felt like we were just moving too fast. And then the last three weeks, it's just gotten really crazy. So I can see a 40 to 50% correction. That would be down to around 8,000 to 7,000. Now, there's even some people I' uh, heard uh, about Tones show. He had somebody on talking about this parabolic move makes his guest think that there, there's even a better chance of lower lows. I think lower lows, I mean, below 3,000, are about one percent chance. Uh, I think it's roughly a 50 percent chance to hit a 40 percent retracement on this move right here, and uh, then we'll go from there. All right, that's enough for price talk. Let's move on to mining. So we did have a difficulty adjustment two days ago. It went up by 7%. Back up to an all-time high. So two adjustments ago, we we jumped over to an all-time high difficulty. Then with a small decrease in difficulty last time, we fell back under that all-time, the previous all-time high. And now this time we jumped to a sizable new all-time high. Uh, with a 7% increase. Hash rate still lagging the price slightly. So price has went up 30% in a week and hash rate went up 7%. That's about what we've seen uh, overall during this this rally. I expect more and more all-time highs in hash rate. It's slower and more steady than the price, of course. So if price corrects 40%, like I think it might here, then uh, hash rate might stay even. The estimated adjustment for next time uh, is already at 5%, but that could come down to 2 to 3% uh, over the next week. Now, if price does correct, I'm not saying that's going to stay down there. Uh, if price corrects, we could, within a month's time, we could see us go down to 8,000 and back up, all the way back up to 13,000. So think about that. We're, what, 11 months away, 10 months away from the happening, and uh, one month, we have this big correction down to 8,000. That's totally legit. And anybody who says that's not possible, they're not being honest with themselves. It can go down to 8,000, but will it go to 3,000? I doubt it. All right. This section was supposed to be about mining. Let's go on to lightning. Now we continue to talk about lightning, even though we're in this lightning network plateau that I've talked about for a while now on the show Uh, it's still important to keep this going and to talk about some of the developments so of course if you got my last newsletter you know that uh, LND has released a new neutrino app I believe I talked about it last time on the show Uh, that had up to I think uh, had over 2,000 downloads in the first day so that's really good but Funny enough, it didn't affect the number of nodes all that much on the Lightning Network. We're still sitting at 8,900. Now, the number of channels, slightly down, 34,000, and the network capacity is roughly even at 941 Bitcoins. That's over $11 million still on as capacity. When When is this Lightning Network plateau going to be over? I don't know. I don't know. It... it there's a couple schools of thought here. So um as a gift and good, when the price goes up, the demand goes up for Bitcoin. Also, we've noticed in the past, as the price goes up, volume, on-chain volume goes up, and hence fees go up, hence maybe that would give more demand for the Lightning Network. But then there's also that uh like fundamental idea that if price is going up twenty percent a day, you're not really going to be spending Bitcoin. But in the bull market, as you feel richer because your holdings are going up, then you will be more likely to spend. So I think that as this bull market proceeds, the wealth effect is going to create more demand for Lightning and continue to push the development. That is my take right now, and we'll see. I mean, maybe during this consolidation at a higher level, people are feeling a little richer than they did two months ago down at 3000 when this plateau started, um, you know, then maybe people will start going over towards lightning and, uh, as the price is stable, they can spend a little bit and replace it at a, a consistent level. But that's what I kind of see as the price goes up in this bull market, we'll see more demand to spend because of the wealth effect and more people going on lightning. We'll see a lot of different types of apps as well. Anyway, another real cool thing I saw with the lightning network was a uh, bit refill is offering a service where if you're a Coinbase customer, And you want to withdraw because Coinbase doesn't support Lightning Network. So if you want to withdraw with Lightning, um, what you can do is sign up for a bit refill account and they will they'll send you the money on Lightning and you send them the money via Coinbase. So really, that's the meshing of two layer twos. I can see similar things to this in the future. Because, okay, what I mean by two layer twos, for the people new listening to this show, because we've had a lot of new listeners lately. So what it is, is a Coinbase, you can send to another Coinbase customer and it doesn't go onto the Bitcoin blockchain, right? So you don't have to transmit this transaction. They just update their database records to show this Bitcoin went to this customer. Uh, That's a layer two solution. It's a centralized layer two, but it's still layer two. Uh, Lightning Network is a trustless layer too. So it uses cryptography to lock your payments and your relationships within this other uh, layer. And you can send uh, Bitcoins back and forth on Lightning Network and it doesn't go onto the Bitcoin blockchain. So that is another trustless layer too. So what you're doing here by BitRefill working with Coinbase, uh, they're not working with Coinbase, but they're integrating themselves with Coinbase and uh, they are matching two layer twos. Now this is going to be much more common in the future. It's a workaround, right? You route around problems. BitRefill has been a very innovative company in the space. And so I expect more things like this from them, more more competition for them, and I think it's a good thing. I mean, imagine when like a sidechain, because Coinbase technically is you could say a very centralized sidechain. And so when you start getting sidechains working with Lightning Network, I mean there's so many possibilities there uh, and that's kind of what I'm looking for. I mean it's really hard to think of like layer 2 growth in Bitcoin because we don't have numbers of internal coinbase transactions or internal um bitfinex transactions or internal uh, so there there's all of these different Layer 2s around there, they're separated. And we don't have statistics for them. I mean, even these lightning statistics are are not perfect because you can have private channels and private nodes. Uh, but, you know, we do the best we can. We just have to keep our ear to the ground and see if we hear anything about growth in this Layer 2, this interconnected Layer 2. I I would also want to point out that that makes me think of... <laughs> this like Cosmos garbage that's over there on, on the altcoin side, uh, they are all about interoperability. So they want to interoperate between different blockchains, which are just networks. I don't know why people call them blockchains, but they're just interoper- interoperating between different networks. And, and each network has their own monetary unit. Now, that last comment you can see is the big difference monetary unit, Bitcoin's layer twos that are going to be interoperable are going to be interoperable with the same monetary unit. It's always going to be Bitcoin. If you are on Coinbase, those accounts are in Bitcoin. Of course, you can have other coins in your Coinbase account, but I'm talking about BitRefill integrating with this. So uh, those are Bitcoins and Lightning Network is using Bitcoin's. So see, they're using the same monetary unit, but if you're talking about Cosmos with Ethereum or Polkadot or whatever all these other coins are, Stellar, Garbage, Junk, then (laughs) it's all these different monetary units. It doesn't make as much sense, right? It doesn't make as much sense to use multiple monetary units. It's like a barter system. Uh I just remember when I was learning about barter and learning about the the efficiencies and network effects of a single money um when you have say a bimetallic standard like people have said we've had we had with silver and gold for many decades um you had two sets of prices, right so let's say you had a hundred goods in the economy, you would have two hundred prices to memorize versus 100. And then there could be, say, in good number 85, there's some sort of distortion or discrepancy. And then you have to, the prices have to move and undulate and find a balance between both monies. You get what I'm saying? So good number 85 might move 10% versus gold and only 4% versus silver. Well, now there's a discrepancy. And now you have to use use energy in the market to to balance that out it's inefficient where if you have one money that's generally one money then it'll be much more efficient price discovery now when you're talking polka dot you're talking cosmos you're talking all this junk garbage over there then uh, you know they're they're thinking that oh this is great we can have many multiple uh, monetary units and even like stuff like DAI. They're saying, oh, we can back this die by many different monetary units and then create a new monetary unit. It just is so, it doesn't fit with price discovery. It just doesn't. And so Bitcoin, um their layer twos, Bitcoin's interoperability with itself and different layer twos uh, is all based on one monetary unit. And that's very, very efficient. So I don't I just see through time, those people working on the same problems for a decade while Bitcoin is, is scaling. Bitcoin is going bananas. Anyway. Okay. I talked about that enough. See, I hit mining, lightning. Let's talk about mempool. I'm going to go this three month chart. Cheers. I'm having a beer. It's Friday. Hello. So let's load up this next chart. Okay. Um, so we're talking mempool, mempool, mempool. Back on, when was this? About May 15th, we hit a huge spike in the mempool up to about 45 megabytes waiting to be uh, included into the blockchain. Fees were up there around 90 to 100 satoshis per byte for the most expensive. Then you were going to get in roughly the next block still. I mean, that's that's pretty expensive uh, for a typical transaction that might be, say, $5 Five to $10 for a transaction fee during this peak time, which only lasted a few days. Um, but right now we're experiencing a similar spike all the way up to again, roughly 45 megs in the mempool and fees to get into the next block are again, roughly 90 to 100 satoshis. Um, don't take my word for this. Do, do your own research because if you are time sensitive on these transactions, you need to know, have a good place to find these numbers and to know what to, to use because a lot of the fee estimators in the wallets is they've gotten a lot better, but in the past, you know, they used to way overestimate and you were wasting a lot of money. So when you look at the fees from back in November, December, 2017, those fees are, were being decided on by faulty algorithms Now, I mean, if they would have had better price estimation, uh, instead of $50 fees, we probably would have had $20 fees. And I know that's still high, but it's a different narrative. They can't, then people couldn't say, oh, $50, that can never scale. I mean, they would have to be having a different argument. Anyways, so yeah, Mempool is uh, pretty packed right now. Again, Another uh, tip is to make transactions overnight in the West uh, because that seems to be uh, less activity on chain. Uh, you know, transactions get sent out every morning or whatever when you're in the West and those can clog up the mempool. Also, of course, BitMEX, I think, sends out their transactions about 8 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, Coinbase does something similar, I believe. Maybe they have uh, several different times, but they have one in the morning as well. So uh, Western daylight hours are more packed than overnight. Um, that's just a tip. All, I mean, also, if you just put in a transaction with a medium fee and you are willing to wait a day or two, it'll get confirmed. Okay. It's just a matter of waiting. If it's, Again, if it's time sensitive, you need to uh, research where you want the fee to be and then do that. Anyway, okay, let's move on. That's Mempool. I expected to clear up within a matter of a day or two. I have a couple transactions waiting right now to confirm myself. So, you know, just, just wait. It'll be fine. All right, let's get into the news items for the day. Let me bring up the fundamentals report. So I'm recording this at 2 p.m. Eastern time on Friday today, the 28th. And we've already sent out the fundamentals report. It's really cool. If you guys want to be a sponsor for the fundamentals report, get a hold of me. We have a nice little area, uh, banner area for you guys to advertise. But let's see. So top stories. Ledger X received approval uh, from the CFTC to do Bitcoin settled futures and derivatives options, those types of things. Now, this is kind of just the start of maybe larger... Uh, players getting approval as well. This would be like backed and others. Um, of course, CME is cash settled, and they've been going crazy on volume lately. So LedgerX, this they they've been an innovator for several years, and this seems like they are uh, ahead of the curve here as well. Facebook's Libra, they are getting pushback like crazy. They're getting attacked on all fronts. So this week we saw BIS release a statement against stablecoins we saw the g7 and they're forming a stablecoin task force u.s lawmakers also are questioning the use of libra and stablecoins for terrorism and finally the ecb is demanding more information from facebook on this uh, on their plans so overall libra might not even launch guys Like I said in the tweet, right away on the first day that they released their uh, docs, I said the most bullish thing would be for (laughs) these governments to change or ban Libra. And it looks like that might be happening. Two more news items. Let me take a quick swig. Happy Friday, everybody. Price is up. We can celebrate a little bit. But okay. So this story is about the negative yielding sovereign debt. So these are... Like treasuries or sovereign debt from sovereign nations that's less than zero. Basically, you pay $101 to get 100 back, something like that. I mean, of course, it's by basis points here, but, um, it's, it's crazy. Like you're better off. You know, you're better off by holding cash because that cash is not negative. It's, it's actually face value. Hopefully. But So we saw in one day this week, we saw an increase of this negative-yielding sovereign debt by $700 billion. It surged past the $13 trillion mark. This is globally, of course. So globally, there's over $13 trillion of negative-yielding debt. In this type of scenario, it's better to hold cash or to hold gold or to hold bitcoin of course but bitcoin is still a little bit outside of the mainstream so you're getting paid to hold gold in this case one of the <laughs> i think the craziest thing is austria they have i think it's just a, this is their second issue of century bonds these are 100 year bonds and <laughs> the interest rate has gone down to 1.2%. 1.2% for a 100-year bond. It is insane. I think Brazil did it several years ago, and it was like 30%, and they already defaulted on some of them. But 1.2% for a 100-year bond. This has gone so crazy, something has to snap here. All right, last news item, and this is one of the biggest out there, is Bitcoin deposits come to cash app. So cash app has become the favorite way to buy us to stack sats, excuse me, you can go on there and, you know, just buy as little as $5, I think, or maybe even $1 of Bitcoin uh, at a time, you could do that daily buy $5 of Bitcoin a day, instead of uh, doing one of your vices that costs a couple bucks a day, you know, you can stack sats with that with the cash app. Now they also enable Um, Bitcoin deposits. So if you are a Bitcoin holder and you want to live off your Bitcoin uh, and, you know, cash out to dollars whenever you need it, then you can do that now via Cash App. A lot of people were holding out for this. Uh, Coinbase was like the go-to for this. Um, But now that Cash App has it, I think that Coinbase will be losing a lot of these customers. And this is just karma. Coinbase has been anti-Bitcoin for many years, even though Bitcoin is a majority of their business. They've been going more into the altcoins, into the Poloniex model, trying to recreate their success, but without much luck. All right. That's it for today, guys. Thank you for joining me. My name is Ansel Lindner. This is Bitcoin and Markets. If you'd like to support the show, BitcoinandMarkets.com forward slash support. Check us out on Patreon, Discord, get the newsletter. Thank you, supporters. Have a great weekend, guys. Cheers. Peace.